Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds. It's Friday, holiday weekend. Thank the good Lord and God bless America. Before we get into this, what's your favorite firework? In terms of well, the aerial shots. Well, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like ones that you get to shoot off. You a smoke smoke bomb guy? No, you like I'm, the snakes? No, I'm I'm a cherry bomb guy. Cherry bomb guy, yeah. huh? When I was a kid growing up, and this was many, many, many years ago. Couple years. They were nuclear weapons as far as the There was no regulation. Mom and Dad, my goodness sake, if they found out that I had cherry bombs, I'm banned. But my brothers and I, we were able to smuggle them in, several cartons of them. <laughs> Mom and Dad never knew it, and my God, we blew up that neighborhood. Well, you're screwed now because <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. Let me ask you this. Where would, where would one go to buy black market cherry bombs back in the day? Well, we had to special order them because we had a go-between. <laughs> One of a friend of mine had a guy, and we, we gave him that money, and I mean, they delivered. And it had to be delivered in secrecy, too. We had to hide out behind the neighbor's hedge and make the trade there. Oh, it was funny. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's hilarious. Thinking about a young Ned Reynolds uh, getting black market fireworks back in the day like he was buying a bag of weed. Yeah, that's hilarious. Now, when those cherry bombs exploded, you knew it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh. That's why they're banned or they became banned because they weren't regulated and they're dangerous as hell. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, uh, now that we got that out of the way, um, big news yesterday in college sports. UCLA, USC, Going to the Big Ten. There will be more, Mike. This is all part of the master plan to expand college football and reduce it to the elite teams in the country. Now, this master plan is going to, I, I think, come to fruition in about 10 years or so. Maybe maybe less, but there will be many more teams. Yesterday, UCLA and USC, two of the arch rivals of all college football, but only two miles apart in Los Angeles, both bolting what was called the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten. Going to join the Big Ten Conference in 2024, two years from now. All right, that's part of it. What does that do? How does that change football? Well, it changes it in a tremendous respect because the Big Ten now goes to really the Big 16. That's what they'll have. And it's not just Midwest. And that is the master plan that's forthcoming because it's eventually going to up, in my opinion, in either two or four master conferences of maybe 50, 55, 60 teams, the haves of college sports. What happens to the have-nots, the Missouri States? Fending for yourself, pal. It's the way it's going to be. But it won't, it won't be finalized probably until, well, everything is dissolved in terms of uh, various conferences. Like the Southeastern Conference and the Big Ten, they may be the two biggest in the country. They may be the master conferences. But what do you do with the ACC? And what do you do with some of the other conferences, the Mountain West well, that's all part of the master plan and how it's going to be divided. I think this is fascinating, but it's a major change in what we know. It's a big major change, and it also, it like you mentioned, what happens to the Missouri states of the world that sucks for them because you every now and then you have a you have a like a Cinderella story year for one of these teams that you've never heard of, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're kicking everybody's butt and they're getting bowl games they've never seen before. What what about those dudes? Well, that's just it. Where does that end? For instance, last year, Cincinnati University. Exactly. They're not they're not a they're not an also ran, but they also are not a big name. No. Or they weren't. Well, they are now. What happens to them? Well, they are joining the Big Twelve Conference. They will be in the Big Twelve next year. They and Brigham Young and 
Houston and uh, Central Florida will be the four teams. But that conference is going to undergo changes as well, and they might be absorbed. There's just no, I don't know what the formula is going to be, but I'm quite confident this is going to end up in either two or four geographic conferences across the country. That's that's my guess. It's the only way it can go. Um, I just feel bad for those teams, like you mentioned. But again, at, at the other end of the spectrum, if they want to get into the conferences, I guess they can. So I, who knows? Not get in the conferences. It's make the money. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too. Um, and have a good team. Last but not least, what's going to happen to the Pac-12 now? Very good question. I, I look for the University of Oregon and the University of Washington to bolt to come up with another conference. Maybe the Big Ten. It may be the Big 18 when this is all over. And then the rest of those schools, the Oregon States, the Californias, the various schools that are in there, the Washington states of the world, what happens to them? Well, they morph into another conference as well, or another one of the geographic entities that's going to exist, unless they choose to drop down the level of the sports, and I can't see that happening. Now, this supposedly was a big surprise. And now, wait a minute, wait a minute. A big surprise? Folks, the University of California, the mother college of a very extensive system, is in Berkeley call it Cal Berkeley, but it's the University of California. It's a great college. But they have branches all across the state of California. UC San Diego, UC Riverside. There are just a couple of them. That's just a few. There are many others, including the the school in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. which is UCLA. Thank you. That's part of the California system. The Board of Governors is in Berkeley. You mean to tell me that they did not know this was going on, that this was being done autonomously? Now, those schools do have their separate presidents, but they don't have a separate board of regents. Somebody had to know. This is no surprise. They knew this was coming. So I think there's probably a master plan or what's going to happen to the Pac-12 lying in somebody's vault somewhere who (laughs) understands how this is going to work. All right. Well, uh, while we try and figure out where those plans are hidden and which vault we need to break (laughs) open, I'm going to be asking Ned how I get uh, black market cherry bombs on the street, and we'll see if his guy is still around. I've got the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Ned Reynolds, Mike the intern, trying to figure out where we can buy black market cherry bombs on my show this morning. Um, So we were talking about where we used to get black market fireworks that when I was a kid, what we would do was we would work really hard in the spring mowing yards, doing, you know, hey, can I help you do this stuff? Get paid 10, 20 bucks, save all that money. And then when this time of year came around, we'd go blow all of it at the fireworks stand. This was in Cape, mind you. And there was a creek right behind the elementary school I went to and we would have these massive bottle rocket wars, like capture the flag style. There were several injuries, and we actually had to really get stern on some of the rules because early on, I almost got hit by an artillery shell, so we were like, okay, no no big stuff. It's got to be bottle rockets, crackle balls, or Roman candles, and that's it. And then one year, I broke into the other people's base and just started shooting fireworks on their stash, and it blew it all up. So they got <laughs> really mad at me, because, but I, that wasn't against the rules. So then that was a part of the rule. But yeah, we got we got hurt big time. So just to let you know, we kept the tradition going. It was just maybe not as illegal when I was doing it. Bottle rocket wars. Oh, that's, that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I'd, I'd do anything to do that. But now I'm almost 40 and I'm afraid of paying a hospital bill. All right. Speaking <laughs> of which, I know you were at the Springfield Cardinals game last night calling it. 
Did the right team win? No, it did not. The Wichita Windsurge came away with a 7-6 win. But I want to tell you, Mike, it was a very entertaining baseball game. Good hitting, excellent pitching at the start, and key moments in the contest. So it's 7-4 going into the last and ninth inning. This kid Wellner for the wind surge had a couple of home runs, the second of which was in the ninth inning and put his team up from 5-4 to four to 7-4. to four. All right, game over, right? <laughs> Never know. Springfield came back, and Jonah Davis, who is a relative, and this is not meant as an insult, but he's not a home run hitter. He's a light-hitting center fielder, very quick. Put one on top of the training room, uh, training uh, area, the Bill Rowe Training Center. Put it on the roof. Two-run homer, seven to six. Nobody out. Big rally coming up. It was foul short, and seven to six was the final score. But a very entertaining game with some good pitching. Mike McGreevy was very good for the uh, Springfield Cardinals throughout the early going. He eventually ran out of gas in about the seventh inning. And the Varlin kid for the wind surge. <clears throat> is also a very good pitcher, and he had the Springfield Cardinals thwarted for much of the contest. He got out of a bases-loaded, nobody-out jam, giving up one run with some key pitching. It was a very, very good, solid ball game. They'll play again tonight. Well, they'll play again this weekend, mm-hmm. right on through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and fireworks each night. Yeah, fireworks every night at Hammonds Field, so it should be a good time. And uh, take the family out to a game if you're here. It'd be great. And you get the fireworks. All right, so... Uh, pretty interesting news for the Missouri State Basketball Bears. They are uh, going to the Bahamas this year. Are they taking you with them? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a nice little tournament over Thanksgiving weekend. And again, uh, Coach Dana Ford has scheduled a tournament in which it's it's not the huge names of college basketball, not the Dukes and the North, excuse me, the North Carolinas and the the big names like that. But it is a level more to Missouri State's liking. Teams like UNC, Wilmington, these are all Division I ball, uh, ball clubs. Vermont, Vermont is a very good basketball program. They're in this little tournament. Ball State, North Texas, San Jose State, Oakland, which is in Michigan, not California, uh, and Long Beach State, they will boy, uh, be all in this little competition going on out at the Bahamas, and that's where the Bears will be. I give the Bears a pretty good little chance. This will be a nice little test for them to see how strong they are. And then they get to hang out in the Bahamas during Thanksgiving break. Forget about it. All right, so since we busted out Ned's dusty old book of memories and we're talking about where to get illegal cherry bombs, he also came across a page that something happened 83 years ago on the 4th of July. And everybody knows about it, too. It was the 4th of July, New York's Yankee Stadium, 65,000 fans on hand to say farewell to the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig, who announced his retirement. Now, this is the 4th of July. Monday will be the official anniversary of this, 83 years ago on Monday. They did it on the 4th of July because they knew, obviously, it would be a holiday and everybody would be focused on New York. Here's Lou Gehrig, who held the record for consecutive games played, and he fell victim to ALS, which is known as Lou Gehrig's disease. No, he's not the first one ever to contract the disease, but he was among the most famous individuals. Lou Gehrig was known everywhere, folks. The New York Yankees were it. They were America's team. And Babe Ruth and so forth and so on, the history and the legacy. Well, Babe Ruth had retired several years before that. He was there for the ceremonies. And many of you have seen this iconic picture of Babe Ruth hugging Lou Gehrig. It's, it's very famous. It's, it's one that's used all the time. Well, that's where it occurred. It occurred at this ceremony for Lou Gehrig on the 4th of July. Gehrig and Ruth were not 
they were not enemies. Don't misunderstand, but they weren't great friends either. They had totally different lifestyles. And made, philosophies on the game. <laughs> made, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although Gary uh, could play at every level. He was an outstanding long ball hitter and defensive player. So was Babe Ruth. But uh, Babe Ruth loved the partying lifestyle, and Lou Gehrig did not. He was a homebody. He went home every night and so forth. But you've seen that picture, and Babe is giving a big bear hug to Lou Gehrig. That's where it occurred at Yankee Stadium on the 4th of July, 83 years ago, when Lou Gehrig said, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Two years later, he was gone. So crazy how fast that disease can get you. And uh, at least we had him in in our history books to begin with. Ned and I are going to go outside, and we're going to shoot off some fireworks, sir. (laughs) Happy 4th of July. And to you, sir.